Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys, sponsored by Checker. Background screens for your faith or volunteer organization. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization. Our mission is to inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on social media, YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, and on the all-new Church Security app. Well, hello and welcome to the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike. Hey, How are you, sir? sir? <laughs> good, good, good. Probably with more energy than you are after your day. <laughs> yes, uh, I do not have much energy right now, but it's all good. We had a we had a great day. Um, for those of you that that don't know, uh, today was actually our our first launch day for our uh, church plant that I'm working with, and uh, it we we actually um, in Central Ohio we ended up with about 60 people today, uh, which was a great start and. Um, you know, for the for the building that we have to set everything up in, we're actually we're using a library, uh, public library, and uh, we have to run in and basically set up chairs and and uh, in three classrooms and do all of that. Uh, but the the opportunity was too good to pass up, and uh, it's a gorgeous library, gorgeous building. They just built it. And uh, it actually has a coffee shop like right outside the classrooms. So um, cool. and, you know, they uh, the library staff is awesome. They they love us. Um, they came up to us today and we're we're just really grateful. Um, like we we set up, we tear down and I'm actually in charge of, of safety for that. But uh, I'm also in charge of the setup and tear down team. And so um you know, we, we were able to set everything up in all three classrooms in about 15 minutes, which was just, I mean, it, it was, it was kind of funny because everybody was like, don't get in his way. Like, don't get in James's <laughs> way. Like I'm zipping from one room to another and I'm like, okay, he's we on a mission. This. Yeah. Mission <laughs> from God. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, it sounds, it has familiarity to me in oh. uh, a couple of years back when um, I was helping out with the, uh, the church I was here in Austin and uh, they were set up and tear yep. down and they were in a they were in an event venue, but they basically had to transform it from this this kind of co-working space into a church sure. um, and in a short period of time. So that uh, afforded its own challenges, but it also uh, was kind of a great venue to start off um, or as a whole because it was kind of a really cool modern building. So. Yeah, this is this is definitely a, a great resource, a great modern building. And, uh, you know, we're just we're thankful that we're there and God provided it. And um, the the uh, library staff has just been amazing and they love so far. They really love us being there. And 
Um, we, I think, I think their comment today was, wow, you know, you guys left this place cleaner than when you, <laughs> when you That's got it. Good. Yeah. It's always and, good when you get that, that response from the, uh, the landlord. Sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Uh, as always, you can visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Uh, there's some great resources there, including upcoming conferences and events. And then we also have our church security app, uh, which you can download on uh, Google Play or iOS store. And that's at uh, churchsecurityapp.com. And uh, some great resources on there as well that get updated regularly uh, for you and your team. And if you actually... Uh, if you go in there, download it, register, which is all all free, thanks to our sponsors and uh, donations uh, that we receive. Um, there are little snippets of information to help you and your team from devotionals to uh, practical application with training and different things like that. So uh, fantastic resource uh, for you. And if you, I'll do the shameless, shameless plug for the YouTube channel. If you're watching this later on YouTube, feel free to click the like and subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner. That always helps us out as well. And, uh, you can be alerted to, to new content that comes out, uh, as we, as we push it out. So it kind of blows me away in the sense that uh, we have to go through that laundry list of because it we started out it was a Facebook Live and now it's it's Facebook and it's YouTube and it's all the podcasting platforms and then it's being syndicated to the to the radio channel and it just seems like it's going in so many spots now that we have to publish this so <laughs> engage across all the social media and the app too so for sure for sure so tonight we're going to, or this broadcast, we're going to talk about uh, mental health and uh, how it impacts church security, how it impacts churches, uh, places of worship. And then also uh, we're going to hopefully have time to touch on a little bit of how as a, uh, as a collective whole, we can respond to it in our community. And certainly we've seen a, a lot of... Um, mental health concerns coming back, you know, with COVID disappearing and, and folks trying to get back to, to something of, um, a level of normalcy, right. Um, it's interesting. And, um, I'll bring in our guest here in just a second, but, you know, we received, um, letters today commenting or not today, this, the last few days mentioning that, uh, we were going to be back in the office soon and uh, for where I work. And uh, it was really interesting because some of the, the dialogue with that was very specifically how to interact with people and how to yeah. do it in a professional way. And this was from our HR department where they were saying, look, when you come back to the office, make sure that you, you treat people well, you know, don't, you know, de-escalation, don't, you know, don't try and stir things up. If, you know, if people choose to wear a mask, if they don't wear a mask and, and just kind of going back down that. And, and again, our, our, you know, we, we tend to, to, um, be transparent on this, on this broadcast. We tend to, um, have a lot of fun. And, um, this is kind of our disclaimer that, you know, we are not making light of this subject at all. And it's a very important subject that we need to uh, embrace and talk about. So this is probably going to be one of our more serious broadcasts. But at the same time, um, uh, we've had this guest on before. And 
you guys really liked it. Like the response that we got from the, the first time that he was on was, uh, was very positive and uh, was one of our most listened to uh, episodes for that year uh, when we went back. And so that kind of told us, you know, this is an important topic to, to revisit and come back to uh, for everyone. So uh, with that, I'm going to bring in Aaron. Uh, Aaron's with the uh, Center for Suicide Awareness. And uh, hello. hello, hello, sir. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you hanging out with us for sure of, of course and for for anyone watching first and foremost i normally would have dressed up for this i would have at least you know been a little <laughs> bit more ready to go but um my wife and i and my family we just came down with the flu like a couple of days ago so i'm i'm here i'm ready to go it's just been uh it's been a rough couple of days so i apologize for my voice and how i'm looking but I, i'm here and i'm so happy to be here and thank you all very much for allowing me to come back yeah, welcome back. And I'd say as the vast majority of our listeners aren't actually physically seeing us anyway. So okay. you're, oh, yeah, you're good. good. That's good. That's good. Not that I'm in like, like, like a onesie or anything, but it's like, you know, I definitely was like, oh, I'm gonna, this is going to be rough to, to get through here. But no, actually, today I'm on the, uh, the mend, so we're good. But That's good. Praise God. That's good stuff. Yeah, it's every once in a while. I I forget that too. I'm like, okay, I got to make sure I'm not in in because uh, my usual garb is like t-shirt, a t-shirt and shorts. Although today it's like, you know, single digits outside with <laughs> yeah with the cold snap that went through. I think tomorrow it's supposed to be up in the 60s. So I may be able to. <laughs> Or you could just do like I do for work. It's like work. It's like pajama pants on the bottom and polo shirt on top. And then it's just like, boom, there you go. I said, it's, it's sweatpants right here. You just won't see those. But yeah, no, you're, uh, it's, you're also in Texas, Mike. True. So I, does it ever a lot of times it's short. It does. Hey, you want to it's take above 60 now, but take a hike up to Wisconsin and, and come and uh, have this I was fun. I was Today born there. Oh, okay. Well, perfect. Then you know. Yeah. Yep. Oh goodness. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I think all of us have experienced some kind of weird, weird weather this year. I know, yep. like in central central Ohio where I am, it it's definitely been unique. I think we've gotten two two snowstorms and that's it. But yeah. which is odd for us, but it is what it is. So anyhow, well, let's jump into it. So Aaron, yeah. if you don't if you don't mind, if you uh, for folks that maybe didn't catch the last last episode, just kind of walk us through your story and uh, yeah, what what you do with the the Center for Suicide Awareness and uh, how you how you got there because I think it's it's really cool. It's a it's a long road, but I'll condense it down into a good time frame here. So <laughs> sure. Um, so again, my name is Aaron Wonserski. Uh, I work for the Center for Suicide Awareness. Um, I've been there for about two years now. Uh, but prior to me working through the center, I was a police officer for a local department in our area for uh, 12 years. Um, I started my career in 2009. 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. Um, I did a couple part-time gigs as a police officer. It's kind of your stepping stone to get into a, a much larger department, get some experience under your belt. Um, and then I finally landed at a place where I was full-time. Uh, I worked there for nine years. It was a wonderful nine years. Um, I learned so much as far as law enforcement and first responder or being a first responder and, and a lot of tools that are going to help me in the rest of my lifetime. Um, but what I failed to realize was during that time, I wasn't necessarily taking care of myself. Um, I would drink a lot. I would uh, 
be very reckless when it came to things. And I wasn't sure why I didn't know. I just assumed this part of the job. And, mm -hmm. um, and then life started to happen where I, you know, wasn't single anymore. I found somebody I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And, um, so we got married and then life really did change. And I said, you know, you're having a kid soon. And it just all of a sudden hit me where I'm being too reckless. I'm being too, there's, there wasn't a right word to really put to it. Um, but I wasn't focusing on me and throughout my entire life, I thought it was just normal to always feel nervous about situations, always stay up, you know, constantly thinking about the same things over and over and over. Well, God bless my wife. She realized that that was a problem. Um, she realized and she said, we are going to have a really long road if you don't get some help. And it was the first time in my life where it actually it hit me and said, mm -hmm. wow, I actually maybe do need to go talk to somebody or figure something out because I'm not happy. I'm not happy at all, even at work. So I went to talk with somebody and I got diagnosed with um, anxiety, depression, and a sort of PTSD. And it was the first time in my life that I've ever heard of anxiety. It was really like, as a, as a diagnosable thing. Um, and it was a, it was a big shock to me. And at that point uh, in October of 2019, uh, I made the decision to leave law enforcement because ultimately if I would have stayed, I, I would have killed myself. I, I, hmm. I say that in a very lighthearted tone right now, but I mean it with extreme weight. Um, I would not be here if I was still in that job. That was right before COVID started. That was right before a lot of the social injustice movements started. Um, and it was, it, it would have taken my life. I know it would have, um, whether it would be by my hand or by a reckless choice. And um, I, I, I had to leave for my family. It, it was that simple. So I left, no idea what I was gonna do, no idea where I was going. And uh, I reconnected with our executive director at the center. Uh, her name is Barb Begalke. I had known her for pretty much my entire time span in law enforcement. And she had talked about an initiative that she wanted to start where it was more of the online culture in not necessarily like a gaming, but just the online culture and how there was such a need for mental health and suicide awareness. So I was intrigued and I, and I asked her about it and I said, I'd love to volunteer in some way. I have, I have some time on my hands right now, but uh, she then said, you know, let's go have coffee and let's talk about this. So we kind of formulated this whole job where my official title for the center is I'm the video game outreach director. And when people hear that, they're like, well, you just play video games all day or you, you know, it's a perk, sure. but no, I don't play them all day. Um, what I do is I actually help like people here, people know Twitch, people know the, the streaming platforms with, with, you know, people that make a living doing this, but what they also fail to realize is that there's a much, much horrible pressure. And I know that was the right, not the right wording, but there's a, uh, an unseen pressure that these people have where people are coming in and saying, I'm having a bad day. I don't think I want to be here anymore. And then all of a sudden, while they're being an entertainer, they have to switch to an, you know, quote unquote therapist. And it's very hard for them. So now what we do is we try to insert ourselves using the services that we provide, such as the Hope Line. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, you know, we provide those services saying, look, I know that this is your platform. But we're also here to back you as a streamer. We want to be your go-to network if this ever comes up. And to date, I mean, we have literally 
I mean, people have done streams for us and the Hope Line has been thrown around. It's been such a great positive reception and really the sky's the limit at this point. So we're, uh, we're, we're trying to make an impact in the online world as far as suicide awareness and mental health. For sure. For sure. So what, I mean, we, we were talking a little bit before um, offline, but you, uh, you mentioned mental health. Where you kind of got into this like right before COVID and then all of a sudden it was like, Hey, we have a pandemic. Boom. Let's drop yeah. it. On. <laughs> let's yeah. drop it on you guys. But what are some of the things that you guys have seen as, as a result that you, you believe is increased maybe because of the, because of the pandemic? Co COVID plain and simple really was the pandemic, but the secondary pandemic was mental health. I mean, it, it really was. Um, and it wasn't realized until now, because when we started to come back into the world, um, like mm -hmm. you were saying, James, like you had people that are starting to come back into your work sure. and coming back into the culture, it's changed. Um, so I, I use the example of the Hope Line because, so I should just explain what that is. That would just be a little easier. Um, the Hope Line is a it's a twenty four seven text based emotional support service that we offer completely free. It's confidential. So if somebody was struggling, not necessarily with suicide or with you know anxiety, maybe they're just having a bad day. Maybe they just need to vent. Maybe they need to calm down. Text the word Hope Line to seven four one seven four one, and you're connected to a trained specialist that we have on staff, completely free confidential to talk about that issue and provide services as needed for maybe the major incidents you know like if there is somebody that might be actively suicidal through our terms of service we're able to locate where they're at and we can provide you know that type of service for an active rescue if need be um but for the most part i would say 90 percent of the texts are you know maybe hey my girlfriend broke up with me i don't know what to do right now or you know i'm struggling with you know potentially transitioning to a man i don't know what to do i mean it's it's for everything and we're very okay with that um so with that we've seen such a jump in people using the hope line because all of a sudden when everybody had to get sent home nobody could go see a therapist anymore so everybody had to transition to telehealth and to virtual health mm -hmm. and people weren't ready for that zoom was literally not known at that point until they came in at the right time and they they did it. But what we saw was there was an increase in just general nervousness and scaredness. And all of a sudden, we didn't know what to really do. How could we provide more services? So we had to really try to jump and do that. But I think the one thing that COVID did was really show us that, you know, yeah, it's nice to have that little quote unquote vacation at home. It was nice. Everybody was like, hey, I get to work from home. I can just go in my pajamas, <laughs> you know, for the first month or whatever. It was great. But then sure. month turned into, you know, what did they say initially? It was we got to flatten the curve. Two flatten weeks. the curve. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was initially. And then it was like, okay, well, two weeks is done. Well, we're going to stay home another month. All right, I'll, I'll bear it. It's fine. You know, I can spend some more time. <laughs> and it's just going and going and going. And then yeah. everyone's like, we're nine months into this and I haven't been outside. And it plays this role of being social. It played that role of interacting mm -hmm. with people. And that really can mess somebody up if you're yep. not doing that. I noticed that right off of the beginning, uh, my wife and I with, with our two little ones, 
is in the early days of the pandemic where we were, of course, reacting like everybody else, trying to consume what we could consume. Of course, the the amount of consumption of, of media and material just oh, yeah. adds to the anxiety, not necessarily helps it, but you're kind yeah. of at a loss for what else can you do. But I think the real big thing is I noticed, and, and both of my kids at the time, I now have a third, but both of my kids at the time regressed in potty training habits. They yeah. were not getting their social fix. They were scared of what was going on. They couldn't read uh, body languages easily. They couldn't see people's lips moving because of masks. So they couldn't tell who was friend or foe. And right. literally they just went from perfectly good uh, kids to, oh my gosh, who are these kids? And yeah. their behavior suffered. And it was like the, the, only, the only variable was the pandemic was the masks was the social distancing was the 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 probably some of the fear and different anxiety coming through us as yes. parents of the unknown uh they were probably picking up on that through the through us but we saw the immense amount of impact in a very short time period and then saw the unwinding of that when we said you know what we can't force them into a box the same way that everyone else is telling us as adults we need to treat them with uh, with the kid gloves. We're going to allow them to have that that proximity. We're going yes. to allow them to have those relationships, and we're we're going to, whenever possible, not put the masks on. And frankly, shortly after that, we pretty much didn't. And that's not a not really a conversation about COVID, but more that we saw the impact on our kids, and we chose that that risk was was worth it to sow into our kids' mental health. You're 100% correct in that. I mean, it's one of those things where COVID was this, you know, unknown thing. But now looking back on it, how how one sided have people become with it? It was you're not wearing masks, you're not doing this to no, it's fine, you can do this. It, it turned into this thing that didn't need to happen. And then right. you're right with the media consumption and with everything being thrown at you. Mm -hmm. Everyone was scared. We didn't know what to do. You're right. I had a kid right, right right before it happened so it was december of 19 and i still have family members that have never met him like is mm. to me that's so unreal but yeah, yeah. that's that's the one and, of those things. yeah i mean honestly you and and i don't want it to get really political with you know mm -hmm. obviously that's not our point but the reality is you know it it divided and created a chasm with family as well you know part yes. of my family was like you know we don't we don't care uh, we just want to see you guys because we're afraid that, you know, and there's the fear. We're afraid we're never going to see you again. And yeah. then the other part of my family was like, hey, don't come unless you're vaccinated, unless you're, yeah. you know, and it was like, whoa, there's there's two huge polar opposites here. Um, and navigating navigating that took its toll. I mean, it took a toll on my wife and I, on our relationship, on our family's relationship mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And so we see... Um, now, I mean, again, and, and again, coming out of that, we see, uh, just the, the results of, of that, uh, yep. with, you know, okay, how do we, how do we navigate those awkward conversations with, you know, with family right. now, right. family, but, colleagues, uh, whatever. Sure. I mean, yeah. but we're seeing it at church. I mean, the two yeah. years was basically like putting society into a jar, shaking it up and now we're letting it out. 
And and the difference is is that it's not going to just pour out nicely like it would have before the pandemic because people are not the same. It, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, we know that trauma changes people. In a way, the last two years has have been a prolonged trauma. And I think we're, we're going to see the effects for years to come. But now we're encountering that on a daily basis. And I think it's changing in how we as church safety and security have to engage with people. We're always there to converse. We're always there to pray with, pray with them or, or support in a different way. I always try to say we, we try to help make ushers lethal and, 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 and try to when necessary. But it's all about the person. But right. we're seeing a different person coming back. We're seeing needs that are different. We're seeing pain that is different. And yes. as a result, our approach and our recognition and response has to change as a result. I think people have shied away from mental health for too long. And now it's inevitable that they can't. Um, it really has become a pandemic in itself. Uh, and you know, for me to recognize my issues prior to, co prior to COVID, you know, that's that's a win for me because at least i knew how to tra traverse through covid sure. which had ups and downs you're never going to be perfect when you recognize something but right. even like in the sense of yeah you talk about your first responders or you talk about like your church safety group you know there's pressures that are not known how to deal with and mm -hmm. i think that's just something that we have to learn on the fly because it was never ingrained in us to say mental health was this absolute physical illness but it it unfortunately is now becoming or excuse me it is fortunately becoming as on top or on tier as a physical illness well before really before the pandemic essentially i think um we we did a, a church security conference back it would have been in 20 i think it was 2017 or 2018 and i actually had a conversation with a pastor that came to that conference and we were talking about mental health and we were talking about, you know, what what can a church or what can a place of worship do to support their community and and help work through that. And uh, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times churches and, and places of worship are are reactive instead of proactive with right. what's going on in the community. But we had a great conversation and we're like, yeah, you know, the church church really needs to be involved. We need to be better prepared so we can minister, so we can help our community and help these folks. And then all of a sudden, you know, again, we, you know, just dropped a pandemic on everything. And it's like, OK, that didn't I'm being, didn't help I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, that didn't exacerbate everything, you know, 10 times, because now you have people that at the drop of the hat after you know, they've been cooped up and stayed in their home for nine months now or to a year. Now you've got folks that have a hard time integrating back into community and society yeah. because they're deadly afraid that someone is going to get them ill or impact their family in a way that they can't control. And certainly, you know, that adds, just like we said, that adds not being able to control. Like I can, I can protect my family but with my choices to an extent, but I can't protect my family from your, your choices all the time. And um, now coming back into it, it's, it's almost pushed from a, from a, um, you know, an impact place and position. It's almost pushed mental health as to the number one priority, I think in churches and also in, um, you know, places of worship, because I can, I can tell you, we, we regularly talk to places of worship that 
um, are seeing an increase in, you know, how do we deal with this? Do we, you know, yeah. do we go down the road of de-escalation? Do we train everybody in de-escalation? But they're, they're seeing those concerns and people coming in with those concerns far more often than we used to say like medical or security concerns were, were a big part of what a safety team would respond to. Right. And now it's not, it's, you know, you kind of tiptoe around cause it's like, okay, I'm really worried that if I say something to this person that I don't know, you know, in correction in coaching and guidance, then, you know, what's going to happen? Like what's, what's that outcome? And that's, it's funny you say that. And I, and I don't mean like comically funny, but it's funny because you do hear that often about, you know, even if your suspicion is arising to say, is this person going through something? Is this something that maybe I should interject myself in? My first opinion and my first thought process and my first, I guess you could say, educational experience with this is to interject yourself and ask, mm -hmm. look, I've recognized this. Are you having an, a bad day or is this something you want to talk about? Because sure. most people aren't just going to say, I have a mental illness. I'm dealing with something. I think it takes a lot of courage to be able to say, look, I, I'm depressed. I have a lot of stuff I'm dealing with. But when yeah. they get to that point, it's comfortable to talk about. But for a regular person that maybe, you know, they're still seeing his mental illness as a stigma. Well, our society, like in that stigma, yeah, our society doesn't has never embraced that until now. I mean, even even in the first responder realm, you know, when I was in public safety with fire, EMS, and and law enforcement, I did a sh short stint with law enforcement. But you know, that was twenty. When I think about it, I'm I'm showing my age. That was twenty <laughs> years ago. But you know, the the thing is, whenever there was a traumatic uh, incident, and I I could name several that I went to, yep. um, you know, on in a public safety, you know, fire EMS standpoint, you know, there was never it was never hey let's talk about this let's address mental health. It was walk it off. Right. You know, the yes. whole attitude was if you, if you can't handle this, then this is not your, you know, this is not your field. You should not yeah. be doing this. Yep. And the reality is we're not seeing, we're not necessarily seeing the extent and the level of uh, PTSD and that sort of thing with church security yet. But as church, as the church as a whole responds to different incidents that come in and impact and the folks that are part of the safety and security team are responsible and are responding, in a sense, we're starting to see mental health things that they deal with. And that can still be taxing on an individual that's volunteering yes. all the time, you know, right. and you, when you get in a situation where almost every Sunday you're serving, and this is for the, the folks listening for sure, um, you know, you can get beat down, you can get exhausted and because you're volunteering all the time. And the, the bad thing of that is when you get beat down mentally, your tolerance, your level to handle what could have been a simple thing is no longer, it's, it's not a simple thing anymore. Exactly. And, you know, for myself, there have been times where I've I've had to step back or I've had, thankfully, people grab me and pull me back and say, you know what, you need to take a break because mm -hmm. you're saying yeah. and you're responding and you're doing stuff that it's not necessarily bad, but I know it's not you like because you're, you know, you're angry or this is coming out or or that sort of thing. So really from a from a 
a leadership perspective and looking at your team, it's really all of our responsibilities to watch those that are volunteering and serving and say, you know what? Okay. Maybe this person needs to take a break because them serving or volunteering isn't necessarily more important than them maintaining a solid mental health and, you know, and, and making that decision and choice, like you said earlier with your career to say, you know what? I don't like where this is going. I don't like who I am and what I'm doing right now. So, you know, I have to step back and I have to, to look at how that's impacting me and how, you know, that impacts everyone around, you know, everyone around. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So we um, actually, we're at the the 30 minute mark, so we need to take a quick break, but uh, when we come back, we'll definitely jump back in, into that topic and uh, how we can, how we can address that as a church and community. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. When you let Checker take care of background checks, you get more time to focus on your ministry. Over 8,000 churches and faith-based communities across the United States use Checker. Checker lets you quickly and easily screen new volunteers, so you'll spend less time on paperwork and administrative tasks. Our fast, accurate background checks reduce turnaround time per applicant by 72% on average. Checker partners with church management systems, including Tithely, Planning Center, Rock RMS, PushPay, and Full Method, so it's easy to integrate into systems you're already using. Trust Checker for faster, easier, more reliable background checks, so you can focus on what brings you all together. To learn more, visit www.checker.com church. We all deal with stress on a daily basis. When not properly managed, we can face burnout, mental, physical, and spiritual burnout. It can be detrimental to serving in church safety and security, as well as other ministries and affect all areas of life. Coming Back brings biblical guidance for such a dilemma. In the book, Coming Back, Best-selling author James McGarvey takes a biblical-based approach to address and prevent ministry burnout. As you read Coming Back, you will easily relate to James's shared experiences, be inspired by Scripture, and grow through the practical and applicable instruction found in this much-needed book. This encouraging read will affect you and your team in a positive way to continue the path of ministry with an energized and encouraged spirit. Through biblical and practical knowledge and experience, James shows that it is all about coming back to focus on what matters, coming back to the cross. The Church Safety Guys help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over North America through our broadcasts, 
online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and the all-new Church Security app. Download it today. Help us continue to reach churches by supporting our sponsors, purchasing our resources, and consider becoming a ministry partner by making a monthly or one-time donation. Remember to like, subscribe, and share this broadcast with your team. And now, back to the broadcast. Okay, and we are back. Thanks for joining us. As always, you can visit churchsafetyguys.com for some great resources for your church. And uh, if you have the opportunity, click the like and subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner. So we're talking with Aaron from the Center of Suicide Awareness, and uh, he graciously joined us today. We're talking about mental health in the community and, and how the church and place of worship can impact that in a positive way. Um, I'll throw it, actually jump back right back in and throw it over to you, Mike, because I know sure. you have some notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but wanted to go, I mean, realistically, we talked, we hinted at it a little bit, and I think you covered a couple of the points that, that I was going to hit uh, there, James. But I think in general is there isn't really another ministry in the church, like a regular ministry that you see pretty frequently that has the exposure to mental health like this, like church safety and security does for two reasons, really, because a, we have that, that encountering uh, of folks that may be having a bad day, maybe all the way uh, as far as being in crisis itself. But we also have the ability that says, okay, as folks that may be responding uh, to incidents, uh, on a, on a different scale, of course, than, than those that are doing it day in and day out um, as uh, sworn officers or EMS or fire. But when we're acting as immediate responders in a church setting, there's that exposure to what's happening. So it's kind of, in effect, the, the job can have a mental health tax um, where it's a pre an added pressure on the individuals on our teams. And while it's a low likelihood of having that exposure to super critical incidents, we can have that that continued stress or even the stressors from um, the heightened awareness um, that can drive into things like exhaustion, the depression, the PTSD, the anxiety that can be can be happening because in a way you're you're, you're suffering from different things but not necessarily recognizing it. When you dial that up so heavily because you know what you're concerned about um, um, uh, a DLR or whatever, and I know it doesn't look right for those that that don't know the acronym, but I mean, and and we know some some people don't like that acronym, but the reality is the first point is something doesn't look right, something doesn't feel right, something doesn't sound right. Now, what else can we figure out beyond that? What's going on here? So. There's the other angle, though, however, that we haven't touched yet, which is there may be folks on our teams that are putting so much eggs in this basket. So many of their spoons are tied up in being members of their safety team that their identity, their human worth, their purpose is too overwrapped into being as part of this team. So they may be suffering with overcommitment. They may be addicted in some ways to serving. And it's it's hard to recognize that, but we have to we have to as leaders kind of look at it and say, is anybody is everybody serving on my team in the right mind to be serving? So whether it's taking a break or not, we need to make sure we're looking at it through those angles as well. I absolutely, I think you hit it spot on, Mike. Um, over serving, you know that is one of those things that when 
let's just go back to and and I'm glad you did the differentiating between you know a, a first responder and maybe a church security because there is vastly different things, sure, sure. but you're ideally doing the same things. You're looking to make things that are safe, be that first responder or be that person that is going to help a situation become normalized. Right. I think one of the biggest things was that I was so committed to constantly the job. That was my identity. I didn't have anything else. I wasn't Aaron. I was Aaron, the police officer, you know, and that's, or like, you know, you could be like Mike, the security guy for blah, 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 or Mike, the officer, you know, it, it could be anything. But when you dedicate yourself so much to that, you kind of lose yourself in thinking, this is all I have. This is all I want. And you start neglecting those other things, family, friends, kids, whatever really is the core value that you need to, to completely keep yourself full. And it's right. so hard to do because if you don't recognize it, have, have you ever heard of the taillight effect before? I'm not sure. Taillight effect is one of those really cool things that we, we came up with, but it's, uh, you know, if as an officer, if you're pulling somebody over and you go up to the car and you say, hey, pulled you over because your taillight's out, what's the person who's, you know, says, oh, I didn't even know, I don't even look at it, you know, whatever. We can apply that specifically to an issue maybe we're dealing with. Maybe I'm over inserting myself into something. Hey, I'm not seeing it because I'm focused on dedicating it to this thing. But, you know, James sees it and says, hey, you know, Aaron, are you doing okay? Like, is everything good? It's checking in on each other. And I think there's this other avenue of stigma where I, I can't approach you, James, and say, hey, James, I've noticed that you're really going 100% and I'm so happy you are, but are, are you doing okay? Because it's a lot, man. I understand that you're doing this, but I, I just want to make sure I'm checking in on you. It's, and, it's accountability in a sense. And, you know, with one of the things that, that I've noticed, especially with church safety teams is there's, there is a brotherhood, there is a unique bond and you want that bond because there are cases when, um, I know there are things that I've responded to, um, as you know, almost to the level of first responder, you know, we, we worry about active shooters. We worry about, you know, people having medical emergencies, that sort of thing. But there are things that I've responded to where I know, um, that there are individuals responding with me that have my back, right? So you develop that that bond, that brotherhood of being able to, to trust and depend on that individual, and that's great. You know, that's from a from a community standpoint, that's awesome. But at the same time, um, if you don't, and that's where from a from a spiritual aspect of you know discipleship and mentoring and engagement. That's where that comes in, because as leaders, we have the opportunity to pour into somebody else's life and contribute uh, to them. But realistically, looking at it, you're absolutely right, Aaron, because if if I can't as a leader or as someone volunteering, if I if I don't have the ability to step in and say, you know what, um, we need to we need to evaluate how you're doing mentally and how you can handle this, then you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's, you know, that's almost like a detriment because at that point you're saying, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm concerned about you as an individual, but I'm not concerned enough to say you need to take a break or how are you, how are you doing mentally or physically? So Mike, I know you wanted to, you wanted to jump in. 
Yeah, I wanted to kind of say, you know what, beyond that is uh, kind of hit on resilience is that we have to try to sow into our teams some resilience and the ability to cope. Uh, with what they're experiencing and understand that you know not everybody's wired the same not everybody is going to be encountering uh, the same thing the first time their exposure to something may be the first time they've ever been exposed to that therefore their their behavior their reaction their ability to cope with that their after action if you will for that person is going to be different so Part of our ministry life cycle is, you, you hit on it, James, is to engage your team and disciple them. But another one is renew. And that's really that important area. And I think in renewal is we need to be promoting self-care with our teams where they're, are you getting adequate sleep? Are you, are you having balanced nutrition? Are you getting regular exercise? That was a huge gap during uh, certainly COVID we talked about before the break that people weren't getting outside. They weren't doing things. All of that had a, had a toll on their mental health. But again, we've talked about taking time off, things like that. And we really have to resilience, but also there's another word out there that I think is important, is mindfulness. How can we make sure that we're really kind of present in the moment with our teams and that we're really talking about how to be resilient, how to practice mindfulness, and how to, how to use things like empathy with our team members? I love that you, you talk about resilience. I think that that's one of the biggest things. And I know we were talking prior to this, but you talk about resilience is just bouncing back. It's a lot more than that. I mean, we talk about, you know, there's such a thing as PTSD. We, we are aware of that. Everyone knows that that's existing. But there's also a thing called post-traumatic growth. So you might be able to go through an incident where it's that horrible. It might be something that's going to affect you. How do you grow from something? as opposed to falling into a trap and maybe I think we lost you there for Aaron for a second there we go my back yep you're back sorry about I'm I don't sorry. <laughs> um but there there is that such a thing you don't fall into a negative trap all the time you can learn how to come about from an incident that maybe is traumatic, but instead of using negative coping skills, finding those things that you can rely on. So I, I love the fact that we talk about resilience because it, it does play a role into everything. It really does. Well, and that's, you know, we've talked about it before, but doing team activities and being able to, to get outside of, you know, we've, we've talked about like at, at my church, a lot of times we'll go out and we'll do a hobby together. You know, we'll take a break, we'll do a picnic, we'll, we'll go, you know, go shooting together or, you know, the guys will, some of the guys will get together and go fishing or do, do something fun. That's relaxing. That's, that's bonding, but also outside of the, outside of the church and it's not because we we hate doing things for the church but you know like mike said at, at the beginning of the broadcast you know it is one ministry component to most churches that um you know honestly it's you know you're the i don't know how many times i've said this but you're the first to get there and the last to leave so yeah. oftentimes you know the the investment that's required you know, we contribute, we give without thinking about the, the ramifications of, you know, what that cost is like everything, you know, when you think about it, even from a mental standpoint, everything has a cost and a return of investment. Right. So, you know, what, what is the cost that I have to sacrifice and, 
Um, I think younger generations, I think, understand, perhaps understand that concept a little bit better than maybe some of, <laughs> you know, some of our older, older folks. Um, but then we've also, you know, we've changed our culture from the standpoint of, you know, um, you know, my, my folks, if the, if the church doors were open, it doesn't matter what it was, you know, they were, they were there and, you know, they were, they were dragging me along, but, you know, we also, that's part of understanding that, that every generation is different and how people serve and how people are engaged and involved now looks different than it was, you know, even five or 10 years ago. So, you know, if you have a mixed team with different ages and different generations on it. I mean, we cover that a little bit in the um, Inspire, Influence and Impact book when we talk about the the ministry life cycle. But, you know, the reality of that is that if you've got a mixed age team, you're going to have to be creative with how to help each age group and each person in that team, because otherwise people will be, you know, will have opportunities and be challenged in ways that you're not like, not expecting, or you can get, you know, easily sideswiped by, um, by that. So I think the idea of church safety needs to be expanded and we need to look at it as saying, we're looking at the safety of our team as well, not just physically, but mentally so that we're taking that responsibility as leaders to say, all right, am I getting enough rest as leader? Have I, are my team uh, members getting enough rest? Are they eating well? Are they dealing with anything outside of, of this? There's a point with being able to serve well in ministry. And I think when, when somebody's hurting their ability to help, goes down, it's diminished. So you want to be able to sew into them at the right way. And that brings up a good point uh, that I want to raise is that uh, there's kind of an acronym that I've used when I encounter somebody that, you know what, there's questionable behavior. There, It's not necessarily risky, it's just off. And so you want to obviously assess and determine you're engaging, you're conversing. But for me, it's uh, serving is about bringing help and so the acronym is HELP. So if I think there's something questionable there, I want to provide hope. I want to, I want to bring empathy. I want to make sure I'm listening more than I'm talking. And I want to make sure that I'm staying positive. And those right there are, are ways that I think our good friend John would talk about from a de-escalation standpoint that that would be helpful. But those yeah. are even keel ways where I could say, hey, I just want to be helpful here. So I'm going to follow that as in my engagement while I'm assessing so that I can further decide, okay, what else is needed here? Are, are we going to start to go out too far over my skis and I need to, you know what, call others in because this, you know what, this may be getting, okay, we need to get somebody rolling because this is a physical threat to himself or to others. Okay, or maybe we need to bring over a pastor and there needs to be further engagement and it's not just me. Or maybe I'm striking out, maybe I'm not connecting with this person for whatever reason. We need to tap out and bring somebody in so that we don't lose them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I always say you trust your gut. Plain and simple. I mean, you, you said it exactly. There are certain things that people give off are red flags, maybe to one person, but might not to another. And I think it all comes down to trusting your gut. If you feel like something's there, give what resources you can to the extent that you're able to. Sure. But just ultimately, it comes down to just be kind to people. Just be kind. Just if somebody's going through something, 
ask them, be there for them. And also within your teams, check into each other. Because if you don't have a well-rounded team, it's all about how you show up. If you show up angry, upset, that's going to resonate through the rest. Yes, exactly. So I think as always, just trust your gut, be kind, check in on one another. And, you know, that's, it's funny you mentioned that we had a gentleman that came in actually to our church last week that um, is a, a unique individual and uh, he's a, he's a little quirky, but you know, there's a lot of quirky people at churches, right? So, um, so anyhow, he came in and he's, he's been struggling with some issues with cancer and he, he made the comment um, last week, well, I, I guess he's on some medication that, that is really like really strong yeah. medication for that cancer. And he made the, the statement to one of our safety folks, well, I should just shoot myself and be done with this. And it wasn't that he said that it was that he was very um, sincere with saying it. It was, it was sincere enough that we were like, okay, this is a concern because now you're in a church, you know, where's, where's your mental status with this? Like, are you, are you just saying that or because again, that's not something that you throw around and just randomly say. And so we, we actually, um, you know, we pulled him and pulled him out after the service and we, we actually got grabbed a pastor and we sat down with him and we were like, Hey, you know, we're happy to pray with you. We're happy to talk about this. How can we help? And how can we get you some help? Because, you know, that's not normal. Like it's not normal to say stuff like that. And so from, from our aspect, from a safety team, are we trained counselors or professionals? Some of us have more training than others, but, you know, looking, looking for that sort of thing. Um, if you have a unique situation, you need to like, like Aaron mentioned before, you need to be able to distinguish what's normal and what's not normal and be able to say, okay, we need to, we need to bring in some extra help on this for sure. Yeah. And that's an important topic out there that I think for all of us, it's worth looking into. This is an area I need to explore more because, you know, I, I am not an expert here, but I've tried to consume and learn and, and surround myself with folks like Aaron and others where I can learn more about how to engage with folks uh, from this standpoint. I've connected with folks at my local police department that their, their team and how they deal with responding to people that are in crisis. But it, sure. there's a topic out there that's worth searching for. It's called mental health first aid. And it's actually the response and how to really kind of uh, learn about this more in how do we practice that first, that immediate response aid to somebody that's having a mental health episode of some sort. Yeah. And I know, I know we're wrapping up here and, you know, thankfully when I was going through my time in law enforcement, I got to do uh, something called crisis training intervention so, or CIT mm -hmm. or crisis intervention training, excuse me. And so it taught me a lot on how to deal with that. But I feel like a lot of it comes down to just really being, if, if you're talking about yourself, learning about it, being vulnerable, finding a way that makes you feel comfortable talking about it, because there's still a stigma when it comes to mental health. And thankfully, I can be an advocate and say, look, mental health is very normal to have. It's a very normal thing that people are so scared to talk about. And I really, really don't understand why, because I deal with it every day. I talk to people who deal with it every day. 
And what what's the statistic? Excuse me, the statistic: one in three or four people around you have some sort of a diagnosable mental illness that maybe isn't diagnosed. It's probably a lot higher now, and I think we have to start talking about it to normalize it a lot more. For sure. So anyhow, um, we're yeah, unfortunately we're we're kind of out of time. Um, and it's definitely something that we could continue to talk about. <laughs> so uh, we really, uh, really, as always, Aaron, we love that, uh, you were available to come on, uh, really appreciate your time. And, um, what, uh, if you would, what, what is the, the hope number again that you mentioned earlier? So yep, we can put that absolutely. Out there. So the center for suicide awareness created what again is called the hope line text-based emotional support service. All you would have to do is text the word HOPELINE to 741-741 and you'll be connected to one of our trained specialists, completely free, confidential, to talk about whatever issue you might be facing. It can range from, like I said, a suicidal ideation to I'm having a bad day, I'm having financial issues. It's something immediate as opposed to having to set up with a therapist. Guess what? You're waiting three weeks for that. This is something immediate. It's these trained people behind the phone that are talking to you real time live. Awesome. That's great. And uh, we will actually, we'll put that on our website as well. Uh, so I, I will actually work on that this week. So if you uh, need to use it or need to reach out to Aaron and his team, please feel free to do that. Um, as always, thanks for joining us tonight in, uh, on this broadcast. If you're listening at a later time, um, you can visit us at churchsafetyguys.com for some great church security resources or download our, our app at churchsecurityapp.com. And uh, take a look at when you get onto the uh, Church Safety Guys page, take a look at the conferences and everything coming up. We've got actually um, in two weeks, I'll be up in Grand Rapids with uh, Grand Rapids PD doing an, an outreach program with them. And we're going to be talking with some uh, some mosques, some synagogues, and some churches about church church security and what they can do for their community. So there's more information on uh, that event on the website. So you're welcome to, to join us. And then if you're listening um, more broad than the Midwest, uh, May 14th, we've got our Church Security Essentials Conference coming up in Orlando. <laughs> Uh, Florida this year. And uh, there's information on our website uh, to join us. If you're so inclined, we've got some awesome key speakers coming up. Mike's actually going to, Mike's going to speak. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I don't he's know like, about that, but you know, it'll, like, it'll be what? good. <laughs> no, we've got, we've got a, a, a crazy lineup of, of some great folks and uh, really looking forward to that. So anyhow, if we can be of any service to you, please feel free to reach out. And we will uh, talk to you again next time. So take care. God bless. Have a great week. Thank you for joining the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys, sponsored by Checker. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams. Join the discussion online and for other great resources, download the Church Security app or visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.